Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, our heroes received an ominous harrow reading and split off to tend to their own needs around Corvosa. With news reaching Mir about a pox beginning to spread at Trail's End, the Cursed Campaign continues now. Welcome, welcome. Everyone's back around the table. Yeah. Guys, we, we all split up last episode again for like the, the fifth time. It feels like this adventure. <laughs> Starting to get the, the vibe that maybe we don't all love each other. Yeah, We're just guys, work friends. It's really a party, <laughs> like a party of adventures. Acquaintances. Kind of like, mm-hmm. We just have that our own lives. Work. Yeah, it, this, this podcast is a little more uh, 50% slice of life, 50% high stakes urban fantasy. Yeah, pretty accurate. Slice of life is important, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got to meet Mir's mom last episode. Yes, which is important. Yeah, we uh, we got to make sure Diego got involved in politics. Yeah. Oh, he's not brave enough for politics. Sure sounds like he is, he is heading up the, the political front of the Shuanti. We got, uh, we got some strange times with Vec and his grandpa, and we got some training with sylvie something sylvie has been skipping for god knows how long now (laughs) she just needed the extra motivation you could have been being trained by blackjack this whole time but instead she didn't know she didn't she was waiting to get access to the bat i mean or or orsini academy (laughs) 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 gotta get access to that basement yeah Yeah. under four dice i mean uh wayne i mean four dice enterprises (laughs) yeah i like us doing the split up every now and then though because it's like still definitely definitely important to the story for multiple reasons potentially while also allowing our characters to feel even more real i don't think it fits every campaign like right. if we did this every few episodes in carrying crown it would it just, I just, it just wouldn't work no um, you're not it, by anything exactly yeah but for this where we can really dive into the city and family ties and school and the Shawanti tribe and stuff. Like we really have the opportunity to do so. And I, I think it's just a really good fit. I really enjoy it. I think it would even be different for this campaign if we were all outsiders to the city. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, why would you separate? Yeah. yeah. Great point. I'm not as big of a fan of it. I understand like in narrative circumstances and this isn't a usual like gaming table scenario because we're doing this for radio and everything that you know we want to be able to flesh this stuff out but for me i the the realness of of a character's life doesn't matter as much to me personally like i don't need to know like every time he goes to take a shit or whatever for diego uh in his personal life Uh, it's just more of the yeah i think that's that's what like getting accepted by a tribe and stuff is it's like pretty equivalent to just like you got your own litter box now which is nice <laughs> those narrative events happening yes but like i'm playing this game more to like get away from like the mundane normal life and we're getting there with in this campaign i enjoy when it's like the whole party is together and uh you know we're we're off uh exploring and discovering stuff and everything yeah but i think there's a good balance you can find where you can flesh out your characters and get more emotionally invested to them. I think that's why I enjoy these slice of lives is they are 
like a little closer to my heart. So the stakes seem higher when we're playing because like mm-hmm. they're not just like a fighter or something to like get to the end. Like there's more story invested in them and you can kind of see uh, a little bit a deeper character development, getting to see parts of their lives. There's going to be people who are sad if something happens to you, like, and you can feel it because you've talked, like, talked to them and met them versus just knowing about them, mm-hmm. which I think it's very, it's easier to disconnect when all your characters travel in from pretty far or something. And like, you talk about your family back home and yeah, you'll know they'll care about you, but it's, I feel like it's a little bit different when they're like close, like physically close. Yeah, I feel like let's say you we recut the show and cut out all of the character slice of life stuff and for example mir dies this episode well i would be like oh man that sucks i'm really excited to see what you come up with next haley but like if she died this episode we have all of this backstory and all these iterations like i get like crushingly sad because i'm like oh no how's your mom gonna take that and like devargo and his friends what's gonna happen to them that little girl that they're taking care of I think it just makes all of that stuff hit so much harder. So yeah, you guys have a lot more connections to the setting because of the time that you spend mm-hmm. outside of adventuring. I, I'll tell you, it's kind of necessary in curse of the crimson throne, just the way that the adventure is written. It assumes you guys are going to take downtime. It assumes you guys are going to role play out your downtime and uh, assumes that like all your wealth isn't going to be found from adventuring. It assumes that you're going to spend downtime crafting. It assumes that you're going to spend time making connections with people in the city. Otherwise, your motivations won't be there. It's interesting. It's an interesting, interestingly written adventure that kind of borderline requires that. It's like, it'll write things like, hey, this could happen immediately after you know the party leaves the Dead Warrens. We don't recommend it. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not a good idea to have this happen immediately. You kind of need to build into this. Uh, but if your party refuses to role play things, then fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 much different than other adventures I've read, where it's very much event, 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 and like carrying crown basically. Uh, event, event, travel, event, travel, <laughs> event, 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 travel. This isn't that. So it's good that you guys can kind of have an idea of what you're doing. I think I like it because it informs your level ups too. I like to do these kind of around when you would level up just so that even if it's not exactly when you level up, the listeners are a little bit informed on like, Hey, what's going on in the background of this character that made them choose that choice. Maybe gives you guys a little bit more to work with when you think about, you know, story wise, why would they pick something like that? You know, you don't just have your experience in the dead Warrens to pull off of. You have that. And then you have, you know, all of this stuff that's happening after that and your experience with these NPCs and you seeing the queen in a different light, like that's all a part of your opinion forming and, you know, feet selection and that kind of thing. So uh, I personally like them. I like, but, but I like them because I don't have to do that much work. (laughs) (laughs) I get to sit back and uh, listen to you guys figure out what's going on with your characters, which is always fun as a GM. So I think we're going to continue just a hair of that again, because I don't think, I think with the big reveals that happened with Vec, we didn't actually get to go into what <laughs> what <laughs> Vec's little side mission was, which, as Sylvie knows, is to, is to take Molly, the Trinia impersonator, back. So before we get into that, 
I'm going to give out a hero point. This one is going to go to Steve because I think... Thank you. Once again, this has happened to you a couple times, but I think you had the least agency in your... (laughs) your, um, You know, Haley had a list and we got to everything on her list. Your kind of flashback was not planned by you. Uh, Or not flashback, but slice of life. Uh, So this one is from Random Lad 88 and it is just ham it up. Hey. Know your audience. I'm all about the ham. Ham it up. Absolutely. Not enough hams talk on this show, but maybe some other time. Let's just say the truth. So when last we left our heroes, they had kind of gone their separate ways for a time. The way I'm measuring this is that it's it's likely going to be a couple of days in Galarian time before you all reunite. You had planned to reunite maybe in like three days, uh, but that's all dependent on how long Vex trip. Uh, to horse and back takes. And so the stuff that you were experiencing was happening in that time. And at kind of the very end of the three days, Mir had gotten a request from Growl Soldado, the town guard that you had helped out when you were looking for all the world's meat, who was like kind of drunk and in a bad state at the Three Rings Tavern. He had asked Mir if she and the rest of your group would go out to Trails End to help his niece, who is currently very sick, and their family doesn't really have enough money to hire a priest from the Church of Abadar to come heal. So that's where we will get. But before that, we need to look into Vec's trip. And so Vec, kind of the second day of your group's split and your friend's departure, you do get a note to your uh, tenement and it says Vicarus I hope this note finds you in good health in these dangerous times in light of the recent unrest I feel that I could provide some tips on self-defense to an adventurer such as you and would be most gratified to meet with you for these lessons offered gratis at Orsini Academy 16 Hillcrest Street I eagerly await your arrival, Vencarlo Orsini. Wonderful. Vec knows exactly what this is because he had talked to Sylvie previously and she gave him the rundown, even if the note is still a little vague. He knows what this actually means, Mm -hmm. right? So he's been preparing for this trip. He gathers up his grandfather's staff, says a, a couple kind words to him, and then jots something down really quick because... He's going to walk out the door and his grandfather's going to forget that he was gone, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be people checking in. So he takes a note, writes something down, tucks it into his pocket. And the note itself says, Grandfather, if you're wondering where I got off to, there's urgent railby mercantile business to attend to out of town that's going to require my attention for the next few days. Not to worry, though. I've got a few friends from work who will be checking in on you and making sure everything's all right. You seem to be getting along just fine this morning, so I hope you don't mind that I borrowed your famous walking stick. I'm sure it will do wonders for me on my travels, and returning it will give me a reason to come back home. You may not remember, but last night I said some things to you that I'll regret. I got upset because I'm sad. I'm sad because I love you, and there are just some things that I can't fix. See you soon. Stay put until I get back, and don't give our friends that stop by too much trouble. Becky. And then he leaves. Okay. Uh, you make your way across Endron Isle to kind of the center where the island is at its highest. And, you know, that's where 
the nicer places of the uh, the Arcona's uh, mansion and Vencarla's academy are. You know exactly where to go, and maybe not so suspiciously, maybe expectedly, you do see a sign on the door that says classes canceled, um, which makes sense if he's not trying to draw attention to you being there. Sure. The front door to the academy is is open. It's unlocked. And so you could enter. And I think you know the way because you've been in his office before. You know the way to Vincarlo's office. That's likely where he would be. Mm-hmm. So if you head that way, you'd see his door is kind of, you know, that halfway ajar where you can see partway into the room. And you do see like half of him at his desk scribbling something down on parchment. And I think he would notice, you know, you you're not trying to be stealthy. So he'd notice you walking down the hall. Uh, he'd look up and he'd kind of gesture inward. So you go into his office, shut the door behind you. Uh, hello there, Mr. Relby. Uh, I had uh, asked your friend Sylvie to give you prior knowledge that I'd be sending for you. Uh, hopefully that note doesn't take you by surprise. I I'm not actually interested in training you, unless you unless you are, uh, you know, seeking learning the fine art of swordmanship. But uh, you don't strike me as that type. <laughs> Maybe in another life, my friends. Maybe in another life. But I'm going to leave that up to Sylvie in this one. Sounds very good. So she may have uh, let you know that uh, our friend Blackjack brought the false Trinia, who we now know as Molly to my academy uh, in dire straits. Over the past day, I have already had a group of the Queen's women uh, here knocking on the door, looking that I have uh, managed to skirt away. These, the the new ones in the fancy armor and such. Yes, they're calling them the Grey Maidens. Quiet lot, they uh, never raise their helmets to speak to me. (laughs) Talking through armor is not really the polite way to do business. Seems quite rude to address someone of your social standing in such a way, but who am I to judge? I would not expect the Queen's Court to uh, show much respect for Vencarlo Orsini, old that I am and well known for mm, talking shit. (laughs) But, Mr. Elby, of your friends, you are the least conspicuous, and from what I heard from your friend Sylvie, you likely drew the least attention to yourself at the whole execution. Oh, yes. So, I I was hoping that you would be able to, uh, well, maybe kill two birds with one stone here. It seemed you took a liking to Miss Trinia Sabor, my contacts in Hars have plenty of room to keep Trinia as well as Miss Molly safe and away from the city for the time being. However, my contacts uh, have gone underground. I don't have anyone willing to uh, ferry her to Hars right now. Uh, however, I do have a disguise made for Miss Molly to hopefully keep her under wraps to get out of the city. I figured I could trust a member of your group to to assist me in this manner, and I thought it might be of, well, particular interest to you because you can go to Hars uh, with Miss Molly, escorting her there, and um, see your friend Trinia when you arrive. I think you have the right man for the job there, Vincarlo. I can do quite just that. 
Now, your, your friends in Haas, do they know they're about to get a new lodger? Or is this going to be a surprise for them? Well, I have, um, I have been able to get a letter to my contact there. Jasan, I was able to reach out to him. He owns the farm in Haas. Uh, this time, though, he, he, with all of the trouble in Corvosa as of late, he would rather stay at his farm. Uh, he met Trinia about halfway at a crossroads inn called the Trots, but I think if you're taking Molly by, by road, you'll have to take her the full 60-mile journey. Now, I can give you some coin to afford you a horse and car- carriage to, uh, to make the trip much easier for the two of you, but... Um, there, there is opportunity to stay at Trots if, uh, if you didn't want to make the whole journey in one go. Uh, otherwise, you know, with a horse and carriage, it, eh, the roads are not too terrible between here and there. Maybe six or seven hours, um, depending on how often you stop. Wonderful. Well, I'll plan on going there, and if it stretches beyond a day, then it does. That'd well, at the very night. least, you'll want to spend the night in Hars. Yes, um, indeed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on the horse to <laughs> travel fourteen hours straight. You'll likely go much slower on the way home without giving it a rest. Indeed. Well, when can I be off? Let me go grab Molly, and I'll introduce the two of you. Um, Vec, at this point, I, th- I think you know you got this note super early in the morning, so mm-hmm. it's like it's morning. Yeah. So you could potentially get going i think then carlo would probably provide you with like some supplies but you're really gonna like if you're just gonna walk out of town you're gonna want to try and be inconspicuous or like probably not carrying like a backpack of stuff yeah and he's probably not gonna provide you with that much stuff so you might want to pick stuff up on your journey yeah that um, doesn't seem like it would be a problem so he brings the girl that you've seen mm-hmm. you saw at the trial looks you know very similar to trinia in terms of like you know, she's about her age, uh, again, like blonde hair, maybe a bit shorter than Trinia actually is, but still, still like very similar build. Um, they clearly were looking for someone that like matched the original wanted posters. Sure. Um, uh, am I to believe you're Mr. Relby? <laughs> um, the, yes, that is me, but my, my name's Vicaris Relby. Just call me Vec. The rest of my friends do. Hello, Vec. I'm Molly. Um... It's so nice to meet you. Um, Mr. Orsini was saying that uh, you'd be able to help me get out of town. Um, and I, I would very much appreciate uh, any opportunity to get out of here. Pleasure to meet you as well. Um, I, I can't apologize on behalf of the Corvosan crown or the city of Corvosa, but I do feel for the situation that you've been put in and I will do everything that I can to get you in a safe space. Are you ready to leave? Um, let me just, uh, Mr. Orsini uh, provided me with some disguises. Maybe you'd like to join me. He's got a whole chest of costumes. Uh, it might, um, make you more comfortable leaving town if you had a wig on or something as well, but I'm gonna put a wig on and a whole costume first, and then, and then we can be off. Uh, Vec will also grab a wig then. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. I mean you can both you both get disguised up. I think Vincar- yeah. Vincarlo would 
I mean, he's not teaching classes, so he'd kind of like hang around as you guys are like picking stuff and be like, no, do the, that one would suit you. No, don't, that one is too close to how you normally look. Don't pick that one. Mm-hmm. It, was like, it seems like he knows a lot about disguising yourself. <laughs> like, like you, you put on, you put on a wig, and he's like, "What do you want to be obvious? Look at you! Everyone in the, all the guards are going to look right at you with that big powdered white curls, <laughs> like an old judge. What are you, a barrister? What's going on?" <laughs> um, so, so after some time, you find appropriate costumes, and you head out. Yeah. The scariest part of this journey is you kind of walking through the city with this girl who's got a target on her back. Oh, sure. Because all through old Corvosa, you still see them like the Hell Knights of the Order of the Nail Mm -hmm. are still around. They're still looking. You can tell that Blackjack stealing Trinity's lookalike away has just roused all of the groups that had a bounty on her even more it's it's like incensed them they're all over the place looking you make your way to east gate the main bridge out and towards trails end uh, and and once you pass this bridge you will be essentially out of corvosa and outside of corvosa's purview make a perception check here sure all right that is going to be a dirty 20 with a dirty 20 you see that this bridge itself is being guarded by these gray maidens, these new city guards, these new guards for the queen. Okay. And you see them like with their gray plumes and their, or with their, with their like silver armor and their red plumes. And you're walking and you kind of, you know, you have a cloak up as does Molly and you're walking across this bridge where you're just like so exposed now there aren't Mm -hmm. buildings to either side and you can just feel them watching oh yeah and even with the 20 it's just with with their helmets on they're so hard to read you just can't tell if they like noticed you i'm gonna need a deception check oh dear okay here we go Ooh, that would be a 17. I do have two hero points. That was a six on the die. I feel like I got to get a little higher than that. I'm going to use the hero point that I got today and hope it's not worse. Okay. Okay. It's better. It's not incredible, but we're looking at a 23. You kind of stand up straight here. Mm -hmm. You walk with purpose and you walk through about halfway through the bridge. You make just the, the slightest kick on this like loose cobble Mm -hmm. and it hits like the shin of a passing horse drawn cart like the it hits the mule all right that mule like rears and you see the guards like kind of go over to speak to the driver as if that you know that situation something's going on there so several of the guards avert their attention and you're able to cross um, unnoticed You had me scared there, man. (laughs) That was sounding a lot like a failure for a second. Okay. And as soon as they get out of eye shot, I mean, just relief floods through back and like his shoulders can slump down the tension that he was holding up there. Gone. Was that as scary for you as it was for me? At least as much, Molly. (laughs) Terrifying. I, uh, I hope the worst is behind us, but 
we gotta keep on our guard. I don't think we can relax just yet. Uh, I think for the first hour of your journey, you spend some time walking to a place that actually has horse-drawn carriages. There are several kind of farm and stables on the outskirts of Corvosa that um, that provide that kind of service. So you could spend some of the some of the gold that Vin Carlo would have given you to to cover that, and you could buy some quick supplies there as well for the road. And you're off. Sure. Now the road to Hars. It's a so Corvos is kind of on the water, and the water is all to the to the east. Hars is north along the along Avalon Bay. So you like kind of follow Avalon Bay up almost sixty miles there. However, you're not really in forests and that kind of thing, so it does truly feel kind of like a trade road. Okay. And about halfway, you do see a simple inn with kind of a horseshoe, and the name Trots kind of swings on its hinges. Uh, you could certainly stop in there if you felt the need. This is about halfway through your journey, so if you felt the need to you know, take a rest, maybe even grab a drink, but I assume you'd be quick and still on your way. Yeah, this is... I, I would say yes, but this is like gas station on a long trip like a cross-country trip like you're in you take a leak you grab something to drink you get out of there Mm -hmm. like your like butt doesn't even touch a seat yeah and then we're back on the road you're back on the road at this point uh you have about you can make it to harse but you do have to like consult a map to figure out what farm stead you like how to get to the farmstead sure that you're you're heading towards so I think you could do so easily, especially with Molly's help. She's good with maps. Cool. My survival's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you approach a kind of like this big ranch style home uh, with a huge, just like front facing porch and beyond it, just pastures, cows, horses. And you see this big kind of barrel chested man is, is rocking on a chair. It's now probably mid-afternoon uh, that you that you made it here, maybe three or four o'clock. So mm-hmm. he's maybe done most of the heavy lifting farming of the day. And he squints at you. Oh, there. You wouldn't happen to be the uh, the folks Mr. Orsini's been sending about. Well, that all depends, my friends. Are you Jason? Uh, at least know who that might be. <laughs> yep. The name's Jason. I'm him in the flesh. Well, then, we're who you think we are as well. My name's Vicaris Relby. This last is Molly. <laughs> well, you best come inside. Trinia did ask that I uh, I let her know when you be, uh, when you arrive. Uh, she seemed quite excited, you know, when I shared the shared the information of the note with her. Let, let me let me take you in. We can all uh, we can all relax for about an hour before dinner. Sure thing. I Let's assume uh, this is this here is Miss Molly. Uh. Yes, sir. It's it's. It, I'm Molly. Hello. Uh, you fit right in. We have a another spare room for you. You know, the old Jason and his wife. Our kids all left when they, you know, they got to adventuring age. So uh, we got a whole empty nest in the farm. It's been tough because you know you got to hire farm hands when your kids aren't helping, but we make do. So he uh, he leads you inside, and there's like there's kind of like 
unequally uh, stocky woman with like a big, uh, she's wearing like a big apron and you can smell already the smell of like meat pies or something just like yeah. wafting out of the kitchen. And she sees you and she already looks like she's been preparing for like multiple people for dinner. So um, she she just smiles. Dinner will be ready uh, quite quite shortly. Uh, but I, I believe you got some catching up to do with, uh, with Miss Trinia. She's been waiting all day. Now, where would that last be at? Uh, last I saw, she was uh, she was riding one of the ponies out in the field, but uh, you can probably call out to her. I'm sure she'll come running. All right. So, yeah, he goes out on like their back porch or whatever they got going on back there, and he'll take a look out over that field. Does he see Trinia? Absolutely. All right, baby. He, uh, he waves her down. Trinia, it's me. Now, is that Vec Relby I spy over there? In the flesh, the one and the same. She, uh, she kind of spurs the horse on and, um, and gets off, like, straddles the fence, climbs over it, runs up to you, gives you a hug. It's been too long, Vec. Too long indeed. Corvosa seems to be going to hell, but I don't need to be troubling you with that. It's just good to see your smiling face again. It's been tough. I tell you, it's been nice having a kind of a vacation <laughs> out here. But um, I heard you brought another someone else getting blamed for being me. Yes. It seems that even though you had escaped the city, the queen was determined to kill you off, even if she couldn't get you yourself. So um, some friends of mine and, and me, of course, playing a crucial role, um, we're able to disrupt the execution and safely get this girl away. And now she's here. And um, I hope you're going to be fast friends because she can't go back to the city anytime soon either. I'm sure we will. Uh, if not, there's plenty of space on the ranch. Why don't we go inside and talk about everything that's been going on? Um, yeah. Get some dinner. Sure. As long as I can get some of your time later. <laughs> she blushes. All right. I don't have much else to do here. I can certainly make time. I'm glad you could fit me in. And then I guess we go inside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think you probably, you know, tell her all about, you know, the the dead Warrens and like, you know, what happened with Gakin and what happened. Um, you know, I guess she's she's essentially been gone for like two weeks, I guess. Mm -hmm. Think about the time you guys had after. Uh, then the whole dead Warrens and then, you know, the time you've had since then. And she just like, she kind of listens with rapt attention. You remember that she's a bard. So she, she just loves a well-told story. You guys kind of sit around the table for dinner. Jason's wife would introduce herself as, as Holly and all seems for the first time in a long time for Vec kind of peaceful here. Yeah. And, um, he, he, he eats dinner and I mean, he doesn't get like home cooked meals from a family in a, at all. So like this is just such a treat for him. But towards the end of the meal, he's kind of looking a little anxious and nervous. And he's going to be a gentleman, of course, and, you know, help clean up after and wash dishes and stuff. But when that's all done and things are settling down, he asks Trinia for a little bit of her time. And um, how about you show me around the farm a little bit before bedtime? There's something that I, I'd like to talk to you about before I head back. I I could do that. Come along then. She'll lead you outside to kind of like the 
the greater farm. Sure. And uh, as they're walking, he's just kind of making like bad small talk, like not really doing a good job of keeping up with the conversation because his mind is elsewhere. And eventually, you know, maybe they're in a meadow or something. And he asks her to sit down for a minute. And what time of year is this, Griff? I thought I got it in my head that it was like fall, maybe. Or is it closer to summer? I think that's right. I think um, it might be like summer verging on fall. Okay. So maybe the, the grass around them's starting to yellow a little bit. And as they sit down and start spending a little bit of time in that meadow, radiating around Vec is the the grass starts to revivify a little bit um, as like the positive energy that just like radiates off his body starts spurring life in the uh, in the fields around him and and he starts to he picks a flower or at least uh like the bloom of a flower like the bulb of a flower before it blooms and as it's picked it like blooms in his hand so he's talking and eventually gets to a point where he says you know trinia um i think that i've made it quite clear that i'm quite taken with you um but there's something that i, I think i should tell you because if I don't tell you now, I might not. And if I don't, and we start seeing each other regularly, or, or getting more serious, eventually you'll figure it out. And by then, it'll be too late. You have to tell me about a skeleton full of closets, Vecralby. <laughs> a, clo- a skeleton full of closets? Oh, jeez. <laughs> you have to tell me about a closet full of skeletons, Vecralby. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I am. And if this is all a-, a bit much, then I can leave tonight. Then Carlos said it'd be hard to ride the horse back after it's been all day. But that's if you, if you ask me to leave, I will. There's something different about me. Um, you probably have realized that in that I channel magics and energies behave in strange ways about me. But. I have what I consider to be a curse, but what others might consider to be quite a boon. It's a secret that only I know. I've never told anybody else. And I want you to know. It's a secret that kings would empty their royal coffers for, or maybe a noble person would sell their firstborn son to get a taste of what I have. I I think it just makes more sense if I start from the beginning. Do you mind? No, I... Don't mind at all. Well, Not all night. All right. Good. Um, when the city was young, Corvosa, that is, my grandfather started a business, Relby Mercantile. You probably haven't heard of it. It's been out of business for quite a while, and he was quite, quite good at it. Um, it, the city didn't grow where it was. It was placed there. It's, it was a colony, and it wasn't quite self-sufficient for a long time. We needed to bring in goods and medicine and food for it to survive. My grandfather played an instrumental part in making sure that Corvosa could grow. He was important. And what we did was important. It was good work. It was hard work, but it was good. He he told my dad everything that he knows about the business and trained him how to manage it. And when I became of age, he did the same for me. But then, well, my grandfather got sick. And you see how that has gone and he couldn't do it anymore my father took over and like he's like breathing a little heavily you hear the quaver 
in his inhales and his exhales. And one day, my my father brought me into his office that used to be my granddad's. And um, I, I never, he's a stoic man. It's the one like me, I more take after my mother. And I had never seen him cry. And I, I don't think I'd ever had after, but he, he was pretty beat up. And he says, Vecchi, I can't do it anymore. It, I can't keep this business alive and keep the city prosperous and the people who count on us fed and take care of your grandfather. I can only do one. He says, can you, can you step away? Can you take care of your granddad? And I said, okay. And my, my father ran the business. I'd, and and I, I took care of granddad full time. It was hard, but he, uh, he, needed, he needed the help. But I never stopped trying to, to fix him. We prayed every day. We went to temple. He was devout of Eredin his entire life. And every day we went there and prayed for, for a solution, for him to get better. And he never did. And then I hear of a prophecy that after all that time being away, being aloof and, and uninvolved, that the last Aslanti was coming back, that he was going to return to his people. And, and maybe, and I don't know what I expected, but I thought maybe, just maybe, I, th- that he would, he would fix my granddad when he, when he returned for all the prayers, for all the, for all the time, all the dedication to his ideals. So I took him, and the temple was packed that day, front to back, side to side, people ready for the return. When the hour approached, the skies darkened, thunder rolled out, and the priests began to wail, because, well, Aradin didn't come back. Instead, he died. And, well, in that moment, some things stayed the same. My granddad never, never got better. He, um... Aradin didn't do it. He, he didn't fix my granddad. But when he died, some other things changed. And that's when my eyes began to glow. And magic began radiating off of me. Like a faucet that somebody had forgotten to turn off. I... And I, I don't... I don't know what I am. Maybe I was supposed to die that day. But when Aradin died too, there was nowhere for me to go. Or maybe the gods didn't know what to do with me or maybe they don't want me but um it's it's been that way ever since and then my dad died and i couldn't do what he couldn't do and the business collapsed and i faded away into obscurity living my life in an apartment just like my granddad was living the same days over and over in his head i just began living the same days over and over in real life and that's when you found me do you understand what I'm telling you, Trinia? Yeah, I think when you explained the day, I mean, she's a bard. She's heard all of these stories. Like, you s- probably saw her expression change. Yeah. That, that, that was over a hundred years ago. What exactly are you saying? I'm saying that I'm a young man, but I've been a young man for a very long time. My grandfather's an old man, and he's been an old man for a very long time. And you think whatever it is coming off of you is keeping you alive? I think so, maybe. I've never had confirmation, but I've never heard opposition. Huh. <laughs> I did know there was something odd about you, Vec. But maybe it's worth looking into what that is. 
instead of living the same day for a hundred years, figuring out what what it is that made you special or what it is that's keeping you around, that might that might be what fixes your grandpa, not not just getting him stuff from the market and running into girls doing paintings. I and I think maybe I've finally started to break that cycle. I've met good people, good friends. Things are changing, and I think I can do good with the powers that I have. And maybe this journey will help me figure out exactly what it is that is wrong with me. I hope it is. She kind of just puts her hand, like, on your arm. It's all quite weird, but I don't know. I I don't think anything you really said could have scared me as much as you scared me that night when people were trying to break into your place. If you're looking for whatever it is that made you this way, I'd I'd be happy to help. Well, back in those days, when Relby Mercantile could have had the world, I thought that's what I wanted. I wanted us to be great and do great things. But maybe I don't need the world. Maybe I'll just need you. If you would accompany me from here, of course. Not back to Corvosa quite yet. But, um... It would be lovely to continue what we have. She smiles. She kind of shoves you over. You, uh, you're shocked by just how strong she is. But when you kind of look back over, she's already on her feet. She's got a reaching a hand down for you. Well, what are you knocking me over then? If you're just going to pick me right back up. Well, I figured you've been through a lot of ups and downs. Fair enough. And he takes her hand. Yeah, and you guys head back to the farmstead, and uh, I guess we'll solve our resolutions because I'm going to fade to black. <laughs> yes! New Year's resolution achieved. We did it. Um, Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at that point, you'll say your goodbyes and all of that, but we'll um, we'll flash forward to... You sure? I got another 20-minute monologue I can okay. throw out there. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll save for the next time you get a horse, I guess. Um, we're going to flash forward to um, now, you know, kind of on this last night before Vec makes it into town. Diego, you're, you're the only person that lives kind of on the outskirts uh, of, of the city, not in the city directly. And it's interesting that Trails End has this vantage point on the Jagare River and on Avalon Bay. In your spare time, you can watch the ships come and leave from the city. And you've been seeing a stronger, almost military presence, Corvosan ships that are not barricading, not like embargoing the city or anything, but are, you know, I, I guess almost creating a blockade out. Whatever whatever this tighter precaution is, is, you know, you think maybe in part due to a missing person wanted for the murder of a king, but, uh, but it seems almost more serious than that. And it's, it's nighttime. I need you to make me a perception check. All righty. It's a 15. With a 15, you hear from outside of uh, your tent or whatever your, your living arrangement is on Trails End, you, you hear the sound of 
like splintering wood and large projectiles. I, I'm curious if Diego would even be able to place the sound, but it is the sound of like a trebuchet firing. So oh my goodness. So to Diego, it almost sounds like a huge bow. And then you finally hear a sound that you do recognize, cannon fire. Oh, what? What, what now? I'm gonna duck out of my tent and uh, see if I can check out what's going on. I'm gonna need one more perception check. Okay. It's inky black over Avalon Bay. Uh, and you, what you heard kind of almost reverberated from the landward side where you would think fortifications for the Navy might be set up. Okay, I'm out, uh, but I must be, uh, I must be uh, discombobulated a bit because that's a 12. Yeah, with a 12, it takes you a while to even recognize like the, the you're, you're trying to triangulate the direction of the sound. You keep hearing it now. Uh, just like sounds of like from from how far away you are, it's it's kind of soft, but it still sounds like, you know, cannon fire or like a thwing. And you just glimpse it. You can't tell what it is, but about halfway through Avalon Bay, in almost the deepest part of the Jagare, as you cross kind of the, the entrance to the bay, through the depths of the river and back to shore to the city, you see this glowing yellow light that kind of sways and then you hear another round of cannon fire and the light almost seems to dip and you can see it like reflecting off the surface of the water and then it's snuffed out so is this above the water like in the air or is it in the water that's glowing you, you see it like on the water on the water okay so it's like the glowing is happening you, you see this like glowing swaying light and after the last round of cannon fire, it slowly seems to dip and then just extinguishes. Hmm, how strange. I must tell my friends about this next time I see them. And the, the next day is the day that you all uh, had planned to meet. Near, you're fresh with that information from uh, Grau Soldado. Uh, Diego, you saw that overnight the previous night. Uh, Vec, you had your whole trip you're done <laughs> still in the afterglow of course yeah um and and i think you know sylvie is probably like today is the day that she told Van carlo hey i need to i'm meeting back with you know the team so i can't do can't do vigilante stuff <laughs> <laughs> skipping classes again sorry sorry i'm uh, i'm out of vigilante business today <laughs> um and so you meet back up at uh at the Badger and Blade. And it's been, you know, three to four days. Figgy is like in a tizzy. He's so happy to see everybody again. So he's like, running around, you you know, he's like, he's doing the, he's doing the dog with the zoomies to the back of the shop and then back up again as you all enter. How was your trip? It was lovely, man. You'll be happy to know that Trini is doing quite well. I think her and Molly are going to be fast friends. It's a safe place. It's nice. Nice little vacation. That's good. I didn't get good news while you were away. Oh, what? Ha what's going on? I'm not sure if you remember the guard member, Grau Soldado. Of course I remember him. Well, his niece is sick. Oh, no. And Diego, I know you know the niece. You don't think this would have anything to do with 
this manufactured Rolf Lamb plague, do you? I'm not sure. I haven't made it to check on her yet, but I definitely think we need to go. You want help? Well, I'll go with you. I can't speak for Sylvie and Diego, but I don't think you're going to say no. I am happy to help a little girl. She needs our help. We will be there. Aye, if he's asked, we should do what we can. I, I agree. Any other news, though, that we should share before we get on our way? Not on my end. Unless you... Well, a gentleman never kisses and tails. What can I, I say? I wasn't interested. <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you were looking for information. I, your word's not mine. It's because I have another set of bad news, and I was hoping someone else would have something else before that. Well, speaking of kissing and telling, I spoke with Field Marshal Cressida Croft. <laughs> Diego, well done. She was eyeing you. I didn't know that she bent that way with the... You, you, um, you're a giant cat. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. You're reading too much into it. Uh, got other things on the mind, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she told me the queen is reorganizing the military and that it will be difficult for us to continue being agents of the guard, although she wants to keep knowing our whereabouts and she might have under the table jobs for us. Ah, to that end, um, when I went to the academy at Van Carlo's place, he had said that there were some grey maidens asking about Molly, and then the two of us had to do a daring escape from the city. Grey maidens were blocking Eastgate, barely made it out, heavily disguised. That, that all, that, uh, Mr. Orsini, quite good at disguises, let me say. He is a man of many talents. (laughs) Indeed. Did you notice anything odd about the bay while you were traveling? No, I was going inland. There are strange things afoot. Last night I noticed, well, over the past few days, I noticed there are more and more ships, a military presence in the harbor in the bay. But last night I saw a strange yellow light and cannon fire and trebuchet fire. Did you know that a trebuchet can fling a 90-kilogram projectile over 300 meters? They're very impressive pieces of equipment. (laughs) They're not like a catapult. They're far more advanced. Anyways. So, like, better than a ballista or a naga? Indeed. Or a scorpion, even? Yes. There must be something awfully strong out there if they're willing to use trebuchets against it. Incredible. Perhaps... We will, next time we talk to Cressida or someone else in the know, we can ask them about what's going on in the harbor. Indeed. Upon mention of a yellow light, I would allow a recall knowledge check. It would likely be society, because I don't think any of you have any sort of... Well, um, I would let Vec roll lore mercantile, because I think that... Oh! um, I think that actually kind of makes sense because uh, you'd be dealing with like shipping and that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, so that or society um, if anyone has anything that they want to parlay into like I think sailing lore is like the best fit for this but but obviously society is still fine and I think mercantile lore fits. I'm ready for mercantile lore. Could this be a local legend lore? Pre-age of Lost Omens? Uh, this now you know this why would, I have that? This wouldn't be a uh, local legend lore. Okay. Mercantile it is for me. I will do society. 17. 28. Okay. Uh, Vec, you're, you're not quite sure. Um, and, and maybe it's just that, like, Relby Mercantile never had to deal with this situation mm-hmm. uh, on the sea. 
uh, at least for ships coming in. But Sylvie, um, that does beat a very difficult uh, check for society. Ooh. You remember maybe reading in a in like a book on sailing or a book on like sailor's code, a yellow lantern hung at the bow of a ship with no other lights signifies that the ship is under quarantine. Ooh. Oh no. And so that's even more curious that the Corvosan Navy would shoot it down. Oh no. That's gotta be pretty serious disease. Sylvie kind of connects that information from Diego and also the fact that there is a very sick little girl and she uh, relays the knowledge to the party and also says these two troubles may be related. That is a serious attack to an, an illness, a quarantine ship. The Navy would sink a ship just because there were sick people on it. That's horrifying. It's telling they would do that rather than refer the ship to healers or clerics who might be able to remove a disease or uh, an ailment. This must be something very either contagious or very deadly. Terrifying that they thought that it was worth cutting the limb off to save the body, you know? Bodes poorly. I think you're right there, Diego. Or they're just quite heartless. It feels like it's also something someone's going to do if they're new to power and they don't want anything threatening their power. And right now, a sickness going through the city wouldn't look good for a brand new queen. Insightful, indeed. They did it at night, too, and it was difficult for me to even ascertain what was going on in the darkness. They must want to keep it under wraps as well and not let people know about what's going on. Well, you don't want to let anyone know that you might be weaker than you look? Mm. I think we ought to help this girl as quick as we can before the Corvosa Navy finds her coordinates. Honestly, true. <laughs> Got a Corvosan SWAT call on the Soldado <laughs> residence. Cannon fire at the farmhouse. Yeah. How far away was that, Chris? You have the uh, the range of a trebuchet. <laughs> the, the farmhouse is only 200 meters away from the shore. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the kill zone. <laughs> the T zone, as it were. The T stands for trebuchet. Well, this is what I was planning to do today, so... I'd like if you guys could come with me. I would be happy to accompany you. When do we leave? I said we should head now and help get this little girl some relief. The other thing I was going to let you guys know about, and this is kind of side news, but I will say I stopped by uh, Mr. Scream's house and it looked pretty ransacked. And the sick person who was there, no longer there either. I'm not sure what's going on, but I did want to let you guys know at least... I left a note saying come to the Badger and Blade if you need help, but just a heads up on that one. Hmm. And I'm not sure what happened to that sick person. So hopefully it wasn't the same illness. Appreciate the heads up, Mia. That is dark tidings. Dark tidings again. Well, let's go help this child. Sure. So the group of you heads out to Trails End where Diego sets up camp. Diego, you know the soldados. They have the the farmhouse. It's kind of one of the one of the few actual structures out on Trails End that isn't like a 
you know, either cobble together residence or a tent or, or that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of temporary folks live here, but the farmhouse has been a constant in your experience living here. And the owner of that farmhouse, you know, is a woman named Tace Soldado. Uh, you know that she lives, um, she's a widow and she lives with her three children there. All right, then when we arrive, the first thing I want to do is is uh, find Tace and uh, ask her where we can find the sick child. Okay, so uh, you you knock on the front door and actually uh, Growl Soldado opens it um, and he smiles kind of like a relieved sigh or smile when he sees the group of you, especially Mir, who he had asked to come help. Thank goodness uh, the group of you decided to to come help us. Uh, I will say Brianna's sickness hasn't gotten any better. She's just feeling quite terrible. Um, but but please, come inside. Uh, Taze can tell you everything about what's been going on with her. And he would lead you in. Uh, and inside, you see a woman who kind of has Varesian features. Like, she, she has very dark hair, uh, dark eyes, but kind of like um, light lightly tanned skin um she looks to be in her maybe early 40s um you think like i mean you you've seen her plenty of times but the rest of you can tell that she looks weary (laughs) having dealt with a very sick child for potentially several days now are are y'all the group that um the growl sent for the adventurers he'd met uh, might be able to Heal my daughter, Brienne. Aye, and we've got two different healers here. Whatever you need, we can take care of it. I, I, We're pretty sure. Probably. I brought one myself, uh, but he's um, he's just in the kitchen preparing some herbs. Uh, may, maybe the, the groupie you could confer uh, before before heading up to see my daughter. She's um, She's been sleeping fitfully, but she's been sick for a few days. We've been kind of have had her up on the up on my bed. She's been sleeping in my bed while me and the boys uh, have been sleeping downstairs, uh, and you know, taking care of her when she's when she's feeling uh, quite bad. She's she's been coughing. Uh, she, she's got a temperature. She's covered in these red blotchy rashes all over. Her. I've never seen something like it before. It's, it's certainly not a cold. Certainly not even the the flu or something. It seems well. I, I've never seen a child sick like she is. Uh, so, so I I called the Church of Abadar, and they said they wouldn't be able to help me. But but then uh, the man in the kitchen decided to come out and at least take a look. Although uh, he can't cast any spells unless we can afford to pay for him. And as you kind of turn the corner to the kitchen, you recognize this man as well. Um, this was the uh, the cleric kind of on retainer for Cressida, mm-hmm. um, Ashani Daughtry. And he sees the group of you. Uh, you can see, like, he's almost worked up a sweat. He's working extraordinarily hard. You see, like, three countertops are just covered in different, like, different chopped herbs, different poultices. Oh, <laughs> I know this group. Uh Hello, the uh, the Soldado family sent for for help, and and I know normally 
clerics of Abadar are required to take payment, but I've learned several other ways of healing people. I thought maybe I could come to help, even if I do not charge the Soldado family. But it, it's good to see all of you. I'm hoping maybe you'll be able to help me uh, with, with what's going on here. That's the goal. Um, before I get too far into this, has anyone else experienced symptoms? Anyone in this house? Chase yeah. uh, would uh, speak up. No, we've been we've been feeling fine, uh, but I, I've kept the boys separate from Brienne entirely. I'm the only one that's been been up dealing with her at all, besides uh, Mr. Daughtry here and and um, and her uncle Growl, uh, who, who's just been up to you know fetch her water and stuff. But uh, Mr. Daughtry tried to figure out what what she was ailing from, and Mr. Daughtry, you you weren't you weren't able to. No, uh, I I have never seen this type of disease before, uh, which is strange. I've dealt with quite a few as a cleric, um, but I've never seen splotches like this on someone that's also experiencing the the fever, the the coughing. No one has ever come to the Church of Abadar with uh, with these symptoms uh, before now. We're going to need to know everything, my friend. What have you done so far? What's worked? What hasn't? Have symptoms popped up? Has things been suppressed, like a cough, gotten better, maybe even just by a little bit or worse because of something you've done? Um, anything that you can provide could help us get this girl back on our feet again. No. And, and while you're uh, giving us that information, Mir turns to taste. I'd appreciate if you could get me a small bucket of mud or dirt. I know that sounds odd, but I, I can whip something up to help the blotches on our skin potentially, so that'd be helpful while we talk to the healer. Sure. Um, she would she would head out right away to grab you that and um, Ashani would kind of pull the group of you together. I've only been here since this morning as well. I got here uh, maybe two hours before the group of you made it. Truth be told, I am out of my disease-removing magics for the day. Something is happening. The Church of Abadar uh, is, well, is crowded. I've had to use my removed disease spells, all of them, this morning. And were they effective? Yes, they were. That's good. On, That's a good start. On the, on the people I healed at the church. But they... Abadar is the type of god that... I cannot ask for this magic without charging. So the the first people that, you know, were in line at the Church of Abadar that could pay were healed. I and many of the other priests of the church are out of our own spells. In fact, several of the priests are sick. Oh dear. Are they all showing the same symptoms as this girl? Red splotches. I these red splotches, this coughing... Whatever this is, I think it's highly contagious, but it's something entirely new. I've conferred with several of the other priests, even the ones that were sick. They've never experienced a sickness like this, and I, I have not seen one to heal. But it, it did it did seem that removed disease was effective at, at taking the taking the sickness away. I, I am here because I know this family can't afford my magic, but I'm quite a skilled herbal healer. I'm hoping that there's something I can do outside of remove the disease 
for free that my god won't frown upon to help this girl. It would be good to find an herbal cure for this if one exists. With as many cases as you say there are and the lack of healing supply, soon I I fear only the wealthy and those uh, with means will be able to seek treatment and the rest of us, the people not as fortunate, will be left to suffer. (sighs) This is a conundrum that many of my faith, many of the more altruistic of my faith deal with. How can we provide healing, necessary healing services to the people that can't afford them? Uh, this is why I'm I'm here to help in my full capacity, but I cannot cast any spells on this girl without payment. As far as I can tell from what she was able to say before she fell back asleep and what her mother knows is that she has been sick for, this is going on the third day of her illness. It started just as a cough. I'm going to ask a very important question. Of those that were not able to be treated at your church, have any recovered? And the other side to that is, is this a fatal illness? Have people been dying? It is too soon to know. Her having been sick for three days is the longest I have heard of someone being sick with this. Uh, the, the clerics at the Church of Abadar that fell sick fell sick around two or three days ago, but they were healed with magics. Aye. Uh, it's, it, it's difficult because we don't necessarily keep tabs on the people that are, you know, knocking on our front door to be healed when we don't have the healing capacity to help them. So I don't have any... I don't have any real-world knowledge on how if this is fatal or if people are recovering it's too soon in in the spread of this to be able to tell but uh, it seems good news that someone is able that a child no less is able to survive three days she seems quite sick though from my assessment she is she is uh, suffering from her her core vitality now she seems too weak to speak in most circumstances. Besides a spell that can remove a disease, is there a reason for you to think that there is a less costly, not monetarily costly, but, I don't know, power-wise spell that might soothe her for the time being and keep her going into day four? Restoration could likely uh, help with some of her symptoms. Um, right now, she seems quite drained. Well, that is one that I am familiar with, and I'm ready to go. This would be the first try at taking an herbal and bed rest approach to see if that if we might be able to fix her this way, but we won't know for... We may know by the end of the day if she starts feeling better, but it, it won't be quick like spellcasting. The, the restoration will will likely alleviate her discomfort. I don't know that it will slow the path of the disease. Perhaps we give it a bit more time. We don't have reason to believe this is fatal yet. I would like to see this girl's suffering, but devil's advocate here, you're right. We do need a little bit more information. If things start looking scary, I am very ready to confer restoration upon her. 
I think we should hold off just a moment and see if it gets worse, if it gets better, or if perhaps maybe some of the salves or poultices that we're able to cobble together will do something. Does anybody disagree with that assessment? I'm not sure why we'd wait on restoration. You're here, you've got it. So this could be just like a point of order thing. Are we saying that it just would purely take care of symptoms or may skew our understanding of how to treat the disease and how the disease progresses? Because I don't, that's what I don't, I don't want to skew it and like screw things up when we need to be figuring this out. But if it truly is just making her feel better, I can cast it no problem. I think that's the difficulty of it. Restoration is going to make her feel better. That may or may not be linked with how far the disease has progressed. So it's not going to alleviate all of her symptoms, right? It will alleviate some symptoms. But at the end of the day, if you're herbal and and like bed rest and, and medicine skill method doesn't heal her, having cast restoration on her, you might not see that it didn't work. So I I see where you're coming from with the, maybe we hold off on me casting this. And if at the end of the day, she doesn't seem to get any better, then I can cast a spell to to like to, to help her through the night or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe tomorrow we can either or you guys can either like convince Ashani to like try and cast a spell for free or you can like pay for it or whatever. But like right now he's tapped on remove disease. Yeah. So Mia, to answer your question, I do think this is uh, not ideal and difficult, but we do not want to misinform ourselves and mask symptoms while the cure still remains to be found. Let's just give it a little more time. And if things look to be getting worse or not getting better, then I absolutely will help this girl out how I can. Is is that okay with you? I, we just want to make sure that she's okay. Absolutely. Okay. I believe the standard rules for doing a medicine-assisted cure disease are eight hours, Mm -hmm. correct? So eight hours, if you succeed on a medicine check, you can reduce the DC for her to overcome the disease. Mm Mm-hmm. So you get up there... And question you, mm-hmm. if I also give her an anti plague, those should stack because one's an item bonus and one circumstance. Do you guys think that is a good idea? Oh, uh, I would say you don't have to waste it. Ashani's herbs are going to act as that. Okay, nice. that's fine. Nice. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, and he's also going to attempt to aid you, you know, throughout this. So yeah. you're likely going to get an aid. So you you go upstairs and you see this this just small child in the middle of a large bed and she's like covered like bundled in blankets and there's pillows all around her it looks like she's just like tried to cocoon up here as you like ascend the stairs you can even hear just like these ragged coughs uh, this ragged coughing coming from upstairs you get up there and you see that she just looks pale aside from these ugly huge red blotches all over her face, all down her arms. And when she's racked with a coughing fit, she it's almost like she's like her body just like forces her to like sit up and hack. And she's not even like with it. It's not even like waking her up fully, but she just like weakly kind of doubles over hacks and, and it doesn't even seem to help her breathing afterwards. She's just wheezing. Well, Mir would approach the bed out of precaution, I do believe that 
Like if she's got gloves, uh, which since she knew she was coming here, she'd probably make sure that she has some thinner le- like gloves on as well as would cover her mouth with some sort of uh, scarf or something. Like she knew she was coming to some sort of unknown amount of symptoms. Sure. Um, I'll give you a plus one item bonus for uh, proper PPE. Nice. <laughs> but she would approach. Um, she would also want to start looking over and seeing how she looks. And I know you said something about like lesions or spots on her body. Mm-hmm. So that's where Mir would also call the, her mom over to start. Basically, she's going to spend the next like eight hours trying to take care with, you know, Vec. And mm-hmm. during that time, she's going to be using and uh, the healing plaster that she makes to kind of help spread, I guess, over the lesions to try and help. Um, that's not really how it works, but also that does kind of how it works. So, yeah. So I will say it when you're when you're taking a look here, it appears like it maybe started as a rash and then developed into like blisters. Yeah. Uh, what's going on here? Taste probably would have told you as you were talking, and you know, as she brought like the bucket in for you to grab that stuff. How this kind of started as like a rash on the girl's arm, and it like it spread with the with her difficulty breathing and that kind of stuff. As that increased, the rash kind of crept up her neck and onto her face. So I, I'd let you, you know, just as you're assessing the scene, roll a uh, medicine check just to see Is that what... that the you, treat disease medicine check? No, just to see what you know about, you know, what what this might be. Ashani clearly doesn't. He's never seen something like this before, but... I'm going to roll mine because I'm trained. Who knows? Could crit or something. Now, now I do want to know point of order. Are all of you upstairs assisting in this? Vec definitely would. I would think there's not going to be a ton. I don't know. Maybe it's a bigger farmhouse, but I don't, I don't know how much space there's going to be for a seven foot tall cat person. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think Diego has much to do there. He's going <laughs> to, if if Ashani is still working with his, uh, I don't know if he's up there, but he'll mind his maybe, own business. You can entertain maybe, the like, kids. Listen, yeah, I mean, you are honestly a friendly face to Tase's children. So that, you know, that might not, be a bad idea. Um, she's. What's the sick girl's name again? Uh, Brienne. I might have a question to ask the kids. <laughs> okay. As, uh, yeah. Ooh, you gotta ask. Like, where was your sister and stuff? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's there. Smart. You go. You there that. you go. Yeah. So with uh, with bouncing some of the kids on his knee, he's gonna ask them. Soul, where was Brienne these last few days? Were you all playing together? Was she Was she elsewhere? I do have my medicine checked by you whenever you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll do this kind of in as, as it's come order. Um, now? Yeah, give me okay. medicine. 28. Nice. Okay. Steve, any? Uh, 18. 18, okay. Yeah, with the, with the 28, you know that this disease is virulent. Uh, that's actually a tag in, okay. in second edition which means it requires more saves to move up or down the, or to move down the, the save track. So it's like a particularly nasty disease. You can tell that kind of off the bat. The other thing you can tell is that there is a necromantic component to this disease. It's not just an infection of the organs. It's like actually weakening them. Oh, no. Yuck. And the way that you think that this progresses from what you've heard from Tace is that like this rash shows up and as it spreads, the person gets weaker. The more rash on a person, 
the worse off they are. This little girl is covered in rashes. The other piece I'll give you is that by the way she's breathing, you definitely think this could kill somebody, especially those that are like weaker, you know, like a child or like an old person. You think it could, this could very easily kill her, but you don't know what this disease is either. You know those pieces of it. You're able to piece that together. Okay. I guess I would uh, start treating her. Okay. Ashani is going to aid you in doing this. Okay. Um, I'm also going to... We're going to apply uh, from, you know, Ashani maybe yelling downstairs. And maybe Sylvie's helping him out with, like, getting some of his stuff up and down. Some of the stuff he's been working on, on, on the, in the kitchen. You're going to get that plus two item bonus, not to your roll, but to uh, Brienne's save when she eventually has to make a fortitude save. Vec's going to attempt to aid. Not a crazy chance that I'm going to succeed, but a very low chance that I'll crit fail and make it worse. Yeah. And I've got a hero point in the tank, too, if I need it. Are we doing that now? Yeah, let's get the uh, the eight attempts and the full roll. Uh, you do get an aid from Ashani. Is that plus two? It's plus one. Plus one. So it's not a critical success. Uh, Vec did an aid, but I'm reticent to use the hero point on a small chance of helping and a definite chance of working it worse. I would like to use my hero point. Okay. Perfect. First one was a net one, by the way. Oh. Nice. 30. Wow. There we go. Okay. You spend eight hours uh, doing various things to, to help this child. Uh, Ashani is kind of helping you every step of the way, like from from even just like changing her sheets and her blankets to get something fresh to like to actually applying like damp compresses on her and that kind of thing. You're utilizing this mud you've got. You're like magically, you know, I guess it's kind of it's a little bit of magic that Mir does with the mud, right? It's not mm-hmm. just. Yeah. So you're kind of like filling this cantrip. with like it, this healing mm-hmm. magic to like spread on these on these rashes and lesions. And after the eight hours, you know, actually during the eight hours, you kind of hear the the coughing is starting to like break up some of the mucus. And you can you can tell that you've helped this little girl by early evening. She's actually able to like sit up and talk, but she's not out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. You feel like that was like a critical success, but with a virulent disease that only takes it down by one. So this is going to be very difficult to treat. Uh, uh, this is what you've learned after, like, you've done a good job here. This is going to be really hard to treat without magic. Yeah. I came here ready to treat a disease. I, I did that. I expected it to be basically done, and it's certainly not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego, you're, you're kind of hanging out with Tace's other children, keeping them uh, occupied. You know that her two sons, uh, the the oldest is named Charlo, the other one is Rello, but they're still they're still quite young. You know, both are under the age of twelve. I think her oldest is twelve. Brienne's the youngest at um, at like eight, and then uh, Charlo is maybe ten, or Charlo is twelve, Rello is ten. All right, yeah. So while I'm hanging out with them, I do ask the question on where. Uh, Brienne has been if, if they've noticed anything about her in the last couple days or her whereabouts uh, why don't you make me a diplomacy check okay I'm gonna use a hero point <laughs> okay <laughs> natural one that's a 14 with a natural five okay Diego does not talk to kids <laughs> um, no with a 14 I think Charlo the oldest one can kind of see through and realizes that you're like 
you're very serious. Like you're kind of, he can sense like your concern, but he'd tell you all he knows, which is that um, Brienne sometimes works to, to get a couple coin from for, or like for their family, you know, because it's like literally just their mom and them. The, the three children occasionally work when they're not being schooled. So Brienne works as a maid in North Point. Uh, and the two boys work as uh, apprentices to a wheelwright, who's like a who's like a family friend for the for the soldados. But he doesn't. I, I don't think he's able to like connect anything beyond that. That's good. That's potentially one vector that she could have got it from in North Point. Okay. Uh, after after you guys spend that time healing, I think Ashani would speak up with our skills combined. We were able to help the girl, but she's still very sick. Yes, uh, Ashani, it's important that you're, based on everything we've seen here with this disease, that your work and uh, alchemical means of a cure continue. I think here in Trails End, we should set up a an operations hub for disease control, uh, a center of operations, if you will. <laughs> a center of disease control? Is yes, that what- something something along those lines I think would be good. That is something I would be interested in helping with. I just have responsibilities back at the church. I was able to leave for the day because all of my magical spells are used up. But normally I will have to be at the church. I don't even think the higher up priests would approve of me being here and doing this, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. I see. It was. Is there any chance you could be convinced to try and see this through? I'm sure even your higher-ups will understand the inherent value in being able to understand how to cure this thing non-magically. You could even charge for it once you know how it works. I think we've made really good progress, and if you walk away now, you could be walking away from quite a boon for the church. I want two checks from you. Uh, the first is a perception. Okay. And then I will want a diplomacy check. Sure. Perception. 14. Okay. Go ahead and assume that means nothing because I wouldn't. What a regular Vec perception. Mid teens. All right. Diplomacy check. But there it is. That's going to be a 28. I fear that. With bed rest, the girl might not get better. I'll tell you what. I will come back tomorrow and heal her with magic. I will have to pray to Abadar for the rest of the day and hope that that is enough for him to continue to grant me my magic. But I might have a loophole. It would be quite worthwhile if we could bring this information and what we've observed here to uh, Miss Croft. I have not spoken to her since we were kind of dealing with that Trinia situation. I wonder if the group of you would be willing to escort me back to the Church of Abadar to get my things and get my notes on what has been happening and then get an audience with Cressida with me so that we can talk this over and 
figure out what the greater threat to the city is. Uh, she may have been hearing of cases such as these as well. I know the church was overwhelmed this morning, but this is um, this is the first case I've witnessed out in Trail's End. I will go talk to Cressida with you. She should know anyways. She's got a whole barrack for the guards there, and disease spreads quickly in a barrack situation. Speaking of disease, I'm going Start to rolling need saves. fortitude saves from Mir and Vec, who were uh, up in the business, as well as from Ashani. Oh, lovely. Ooh. Okay. I, I'm assuming Vec did the same thing, but you guys can take a plus one item bonus for proper PPE. <laughs> Sweet. I'm going to write that down for when we inevitably need it through the rest of this book. I'm going to keep gloves and some base masks. We should buy up as many PPE supplies as possible now. Stock and toilet paper, baby. <laughs> Don't clue our Abadar friend in on that. Let's start price gouging. All right. Not a not a bad roll. That's a 24 total. Okay. 30. Ooh. Okay. Um, you, you feel okay right now? Yeah. Cool. And... I think on that note, you guys have agreed to escort Ashani. You're going to come back here probably to make sure that Brienne is okay once you have the spell power to do so. But I think we'll continue the curse campaign next time. All right. Wow. Escort mission. The Bestow Curse Podcast is a Hideous Laughter Productions show. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2016. Curse of the Crimson Throne and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo Incorporated and used with permission.